Hello, and welcome to the Filene Fill-In, the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on here at Filene's home base and out and about in the financial services world. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene. How much does the right support system set up our future success or lack thereof? And if small businesses are such a vital part of our national economy and local communities, why do entrepreneurs have such a hard time gaining access to the credit they need to start, run, or expand their business? Today's story looks at how two credit unions, one in the U.S. and one in Canada, are recognizing an opportunity to fill a community need and managing the risk to do it effectively without great detriment to their businesses. In fact, they both share how, due to the very nature of their credit unions and why they exist, they saw great value in this work. This might explain why, while there is risk in every opportunity, these credit unions were looking for the opportunity in the risk instead. So why did these two credit unions choose to see opportunity in risk of serving those that other financial institutions had passed on, rather than first seeing the risk as a reason to also pass over these situations and opportunities? First, we'll talk with Susan Henry, Manager of Community Investments at Alterna Savings in Toronto, Ontario. We saw microfinance as a tool to help mitigate poverty, um, promote self-sufficiency within communities, and um, the microfinance program was key to closing the gap for individuals who couldn't access financial services. Initially, uh, microfinance was part of our um, corporate social responsibility pillar under community economic development. Um, it is a program that resonated with who we are as a credit union and supported our mission in providing accessible financial products and services for all. Then we'll hear from Rosa Franco, Director of Lending at Neighborhood Trust Federal Credit Union in New York City. Initially, the credit union was very focused on consumer lending and credit at individual level, but then it was also very obvious that the community was highly populated by entrepreneurs and self-employees. And by being also highly populated by immigrants, you will find many businesses that were super evident that they were representing the communities like from Dominican Republic or maybe Puerto Rico or Mexico, but also from other, other different countries. But clearly it's not always the case that what is needed is worth the effort to do so. Not even among credit unions. But as we'll learn, when one business moves out of the space of opportunity, there will almost always be others to move in to take it. Credit unions as a collective are writing a story about how they serve their communities, with each page and chapter being formed by the decisions and actions of each individual one. Whether the majority of them exist to serve and serve first, or serve to exist and exist as a business first is yet to be defined. Here's Susan. Right now, we're noticing that, for example, there are many young adults who are graduating with high student loan debt, and they're having to create their own employment through self-employment opportunities um, due to a lack of job or really wanting to do something more fulfilling with their lives. 
And these young adults, like many of the other groups that we serve in our microfinance program, lack stability in cash flow, credit, and capacity to take on traditional small business financing. So that's one group. And then we also have um, low-income earners or the working poor. And what we're seeing is that they have to juggle many jobs to make ends meet. And many of them are turned into self-employment to help patch their income. Um, these individuals, due to a lack of income capacity, don't qualify for traditional small business financing. And we also have new immigrants to Canada uh, who may be professionals in their country, but out of necessity turn to self-employment once they migrate to Canada. Um, and usually they have lack of a credit history, and so they also don't qualify for traditional small business financing. So, again, you know, these are some of the groups that's being underserved, and these are some of the gaps that we're trying to fill through our programs. So, yeah, can you talk a little bit more about those programs and, and what has Alterna done to really make a difference for those underserved groups and to help close that access gap? So a few years ago, uh, we had to increase our boring capabilities because many of the individuals and enterprises we serve still couldn't access small business financing, even after going through our microfinance program and getting an initial loan. Hmm. So there's a couple of reasons, um, you know, why they still couldn't access the financing. Uh, and we believe conventional lenders um, think small loans are not profitable. Uh, you know, we know that the transaction costs on a small loan can be very expensive. And this is due to the due diligence process that's involved, um, anything from going through the interviews, analysis of the business plan, the financial statements, to the post-care post once the loan has been granted. So we also had to expand our focus on microfinancing. Um, you know, we noticed that it was evolving and changing. And historically, we serve marginalized individuals, but we noticed an increasing population of individuals who were seeking microfinance but didn't fit conventional lending standards. And the group that clearly emerged um, was women entrepreneurs, and these are the fast-and-growing segment of the Canadian economy. And women starting businesses, they were having a greater desire for freedom, flexibility, and better income opportunities, but many continue to face barriers to gaining access to capital. Mm -hmm. Um, a second group that emerged was social entrepreneurs and social enterprises, and they are maximizing their profits to address economic, social, and environmental issues. Typically, traditional lenders don't understand these types of businesses um, because, uh, you know, you've got a social component and social cost that's attached to their business. And what we're also finding with that group is that um, many social entrepreneurs are young adults. Uh, you know, I said uh, just a little bit ago that many young adults, they're looking for something more fulfilling to do. So this, these social entrepreneurs are not just satisfied with making a profit. They want to make profit while helping to build a better world. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I also mentioned previously the working poor or low-income earners. This is another group that emerged for, for us uh, who are patching their income. Many are women, immigrants, visible minorities, young people. They may be less educated or they may be single parents. So, again, um, you know, we're seeing that these are the gaps out there and, and we are looking to close those gaps for these groups. And how have you seen that effort to close those gaps starting to make a difference in the livelihoods of individuals in your community? Every year with each micro borer we meet, you know, we are reminded that the small loan um, to help start a simple business can be pivotal in helping these low underserved individuals become accepted both economically and socially. So with increased income and financial self-sufficiency, we're seeing household stability, access to food, clothing, shelter, education, and access to building for their future security. So what we see is the overall, overall impact can lead to an alleviation of poverty, not just for the individuals, but for their families as well. Mm-hmm. When you talk about how it impacts individuals, are you seeing that it's leading towards building a stronger community overall for your, in, in your entire community? Uh, Definitely. So we've seen firsthand how small loans can make a difference. And, you know, we've had the opportunity to engage with academic institution partners who work with us to evaluate the impact of our microfinance program on really three different levels. So on the micro level, uh, you know, the impact produced by the program on the socioeconomic status of both the individuals and their household focus on the productivity, personal assets, income, and self-sufficiency of the individuals. And then we look at the meso or corporate level, and that's the impact on like alternative savings with respect to its reputation and the brand differentiation within the community as well as member loyalty. And then on the macro or the overall community, And that's the impact generated um, through things like job creation. And what we found that there have been demonstrable community and credit union benefits uh, from that, from the evaluation studies that we did. And at the individual or micro level, we found that the borrowers increased their income and socioeconomic status, not just for themselves, but again, for their whole family. And at the corporate or alternal level, we found that the borrowers were becoming active members of the credit union, utilizing things like check-in savings and other loan products. And at the community or societal level, uh, we were really able to demonstrate job creation and a reduction in dependence of um, government safety net programs. So what we found that um, many of the individuals, you know, once they receive um, a loan, they were able to provide for themselves. They were able to take themselves off, again, like I said, government assistance. That's really fantastic. I I love how you've kind of laid that out and you're able to see that impact on that level. I have a Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, that that really excites your, your 
leaders at the credit union and motivates them to want to continue to do this work. So I often refer to the program as a win-win situation um, for Alterna and uh, the borrower. And, you know, when we took the time to map out the process, it sort of became clear that there was significant opportunities in bridging the social and financial benefits from a member and alternative perspective. So let me explain that a little bit. Um, so we provide financial services, including the microloan to loan applicants. And in return, we get personal and business memberships. You know, when we add business development services, such as um, access to appropriate financial literacy education, and education is a really big component of microfinance, and industry expert resources, we get more members who can now have the knowledge to make financial sound decisions on their personal and business matters. And through this increase in financial literacy skills, they're also, they also have access to more sophisticated products like investments and home ownership. So what we're saying is if we couple the loan with education, financial literacy, um, our members are able to make better financial decisions and take advantage of more um, financial products and services that we offer. Now let's hear a bit from Rosa. We know that offering business loans is highly risky. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, our regulator is uh, it focuses a lot every time that we have uh, the NCUA coming. So they are always checking and reviewing our loan portfolio, making sure that we are not uh, taking too much risk mm-hmm. offering business loans, right? Um, so there are two components that we, we consider. One is that it is very obvious that this is a need. There is a need for business loans because it's the sector, the small business sector is the one who creates a lot of employment. Mm-hmm. And we are very aware of that, of that. So working or having a business loan portfolio is very related with the mission of the credit union. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main, just to give you an idea, we work in an area where because many of the business owners either don't have banking or credit experience or because they think that it's, getting along is overwhelming, they have this tendency to use predatory lenders, which are super expensive. And we found cases where the business owner is paying about 3 to 5% per week in interest only yeah. for the long amount that they got or borrowed on the streets. Mm-hmm. So that really jeopardizes the capital of the owners. It's also very risky for them, even though initially they think this is the easiest way to get along. Um so, by, as I said, by one hand, you know, when we know that it's highly risky, we see the demand, the need, and also we see that offering a business loan is not only helping the business owner, it also, it also helps to maintain um, 
an employer because it impacts on the the income of the workers of those small businesses, right? So, so we are very aware about the the impact that this sector has in the communities, and we are a community development agency. So, again, this is part of the reason why we are, one of the reasons why we are here. Mm-hmm. When this works very well, it also helps the credit union to get income. So if it, if it works, it's a win-win situation, right? Um, and not only the income that is generated by the loans, but also because these businesses develop or use their accounts at the trade union, so they start saving and also helping us to promote and offering other loans for more people at individual or business level. So I will say that that's the main reason or the reason why we offer, and we decided that if we want to do it or, or offering, and if we want to go for this type of loans, we had to add changes and make it more uh, appealing for the community needs, but in the way that it's um, going to be a little bit more safe for the credit union as well. Did you have much pushback within the credit union, or did you have to uh, do too much to convince um, the executive team or those that are more focused on risk and the regulatory aspects of the business. Did you have to convince them that this was the right thing to do, or did you feel like everyone was kind of in the same place um, philosophically? Um, well, we ha- we were making we had this discussion last year because this was a year that we had to develop the strategic plan, right? Mm-hmm. So at the time that we were discussing about potential sources of income and also sort of um, um, developing or, or managing the risk of our loan portfolio, we knew that something that was missing was business lending. Um, during the previous years, while we sort of put this offer on hold, we were working very hard on building our mortgage loan portfolio. So at the point that right now we we went, we got, we got also, we broke the limit. So we are on, we accomplish our goal mm-hmm. on mortgage our mortgage portfolio. Um, I will say that the credit union, since we are small, and I am in charge of the lending portfolio, the discussion is not that super expensive <laughs> in terms that we have to have a lot of bureaucracy, right? Yeah. Um, but also, I think something that really helps us a lot uh, with the board is that they are also aware about the the gaps, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, they are also very aware about the community needs. Mm-hmm. 
and what can I say? So it was basically something that we know that we have to do this. We know that we have to improve our business business offer, business lending offer, but when I got this, I found this opportunity, it was not really necessary to do like many advocacy to join in or to pro- pro- propose the changes in the policies um, or to propose the rest- to restructure the, the, the offer. This is very, is really expedited uh, internally. So we have weekly meetings with Rafael, who is the president of the credit union. And we discuss these changes, if there is something that we want to mm-hmm. make, improve or update. And then we discuss, we develop, we design, and it goes to the board, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they meet. So it's, it's, I think it was, um, it was, an, honestly, I think it was, that's why I said that it was a perfect timing, mm-hmm. right? For us, because we, we were uh, discussing and trying to imagine our three year strategic planning, and we saw this. Um, through the analysis, we saw that business lending wasn't really, really missing. We didn't have the strategy to, where to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, there is something that I think is very related with the perfect timing is um, that we have... Um, We've been working with other potential partner organizations, and they offer technical assistance for small businesses. So we've been discussing about this for more than one year now. Yeah, well, it sounds like this this is a great example of why it's good to be a small credit union sometimes, that you can... Yes lay out your needs. Your board is well connected in the community that you serve. They're uh, plugged into the needs of the community. You are made of your community and you know what needs to be done and you find a way. I think the challenge we've seen with a lot of other credit unions and larger credit unions is they are on one hand disconnected from the Mm. needs of the community and also overly risk adverse and not necessarily wanting to or seeing the value in finding a way to make it work. Whereas what's great about what your credit union has done is said, this is a gap and we need to fill it and we have to find a solution rather than to say, this is too risky. We're not going to go in this direction. Yes. And, you know, it, it's really, really interesting what you just said. It, I remember and I totally understand why sometimes the credit union can be so adverse to risk, right? Um, 
I have to tell you that when we had the initial charge off in 2013, that was the immediate reaction mm-hmm. from the board, right? Uh, not all, not all of them, but some of the members of the board. And so we focused or reorient, reoriented our uh, efforts to other areas like mortgage lending, consumer lending. And then um, there is another impact to the credit union that was totally unexpected, and is the fact that we were able to be awarded with the CDFI fund mm. in the past. Mm-hmm. But since the credit union stopped offering or getting the, the, the let's say, the pipeline, Mm-hmm. in this part of the portfolio that affected our chances to be awarded with more of this type of grant. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, right? Because, of course, why the federal government is going to help you to cover your risk if you are not really assuming <laughs> any risk? Yeah. Yep, exactly. Right? You can't have uh, it both ways. Exactly. So I think um, when we were, uh, let's say, weighing the pros and cons, right, Uh, it was very obvious that if we have the demand and we know that it can work and we don't try it, but at the same time, because we are very adverse to risk, mm-hmm. we are missing opportunities available for the credit union also. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like your the concern or the that the fear to risk is that high that is basically holding you back. So let's talk about risk. Again, here's Susan. Um, when, when we speak about risk, um, you know, alternative strengths are as strong as its community and network partners. So this is not something we do in silo or we do alone. You know, we have formed partnerships with a number of like-minded community organizations. And through our community partners, you know, we are able to pool our resources strategically to reach individuals in diverse communities and in our service area that would benefit from a microloan. And there is benefits to both Alterna and benefits to these community organizations. So to Alterna, um, partnership with community um, loan funds help us to manage our risk through either partial or full guarantees of the loans we disperse. And now we're able to create more sustainable micro funds, which allow us to continue to grow our portfolio of microfinance without shouldering all the risk. And from the community organization or community loan funds perspective, um, the majority of these organizations uh, tend to rely on the acquisition of grants to survive. And at times, you know, grant dollars can disappear. So by partnering, you know, we're providing the back-end administration, which enabled the loan funds to cut their expenses. It also allows them to increase their legitimacy 
um, because many loan funds can be viewed as lenders of last resort. So by partnering with a financial cooperative like Alterna, um, it can now help in terms of helping them with things like their delinquency rate. So, you know, that's how for us, um, you know, we kind of mitigate some of the risk within our, our, our programs. And here's what Rosa would recommend to others. If the credit union is adverse to, adverse to risk, too adverse to risk, and decided to go through mortgage lending, there is a risk there, too. Mm-hmm. And everybody believes that it's less risky, but it's not. Because you have a mortgage, but also the collection or the foreclosure is going to take a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I think one of the 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 probably main recommendations is trying to experience or experience what it means to offer business loans. At least start with a small budget. Mm-hmm. If it's a big credit union, it depends on how the credit union, what how big the credit union is, right? But probably start with some ideas of, okay, let's, this year we want to allocate X amount of money to like a pilot. I think that's another, a very good way to start with because you can start exploring as a trade union what implies to do business lending, which is a little bit more time consuming than other, um, the other types of loans that we offer. Mm-hmm. It's more uh, labor demanding. But at the same time, I think it's very rewarding um, because it creates a big, big reputation of your credit union. So I think if they are adverse to risk, they could start with a small pilot and then measuring what does that imply or what is involved in terms of human resources, uh, technical resources, and also what's involved when you do collection, for example. We have learned a lot from our borrowers because it's a sort of long-term relationship with them, middle-term relationship, and we know who will pay even if they are late mm. or even if they are they have some delinquencies. We know that based on the experience and the relationship that you establish with them, you sort of feel who will pay and who will not. Um, so I think starting with a with a pilot seems to be a very good idea mm-hmm. to start with. And then um, also having a monitoring, a smart monitoring program is good. So you year by year, you see what the evolution of the business mm-hmm. that you are working with. So you also feel that sort of reward when you see that these businesses are growing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it depends on how passionate passionate the, the, the creation and staff can be yeah. about it. Absolutely. Right. And that's not always something credit unions want to do. Take a listen to the story from Jennifer Laud, who as a credit union industry pro recently launched her own consulting business, Jennifer Laud Consulting. 
She shares a story about attempting to open a few basic business accounts at credit unions in the Chicago area, something you wouldn't imagine would be difficult. I was also really surprised because, yeah, I've for a little while now thought that this was a space that credit unions would would really do, you know, um, very well in. And I know there has been more talk about this in the recent past as banks have sort of pulled out of the small, very small business space that it seemed like just such a natural fit for credit unions to step right in. Um, the credit union that I came from wasn't really offering business uh, accounts generally, just given their size as an area of interest to them. So it'll be fun to sort of help them build their program now, having a little bit more insight on the other end. But I was also surprised when I started looking at other credit unions, especially some of the bigger ones that I knew did offer business services. Uh, it, yeah, it was kind of interesting having so many roadblocks. So can you start with just explaining why you needed a business loan in the first place? Sure. So um, I am a new marketing consultant for credit unions. I worked in credit unions for seven years um, you know, in Chicago. And I'm actually a little embarrassed to say that when I was at EW, I did not uh, join the credit union at that time. But since then, have just completely fallen in love and was really excited as I, you know, sort of transitioned into being a small business owner. I said, all right, this is perfect. Now is the time I can actually, um, you know, take advantage of additional resources and look at some other credit unions beyond the one that I had my personal accounts with. So I started down this road needing um, a really wanting to find a checking account and a credit card. Um, mostly because I knew I would be having, you know, some different checks rolling in. I um, wanted to have a, a, you know, checking account to be able to deposit that and then have a credit card because I anticipated needing to, you know, purchase uh, a handful of assets or different things for credit union clients uh, before I build them. So that was really the basic need. I'm just a very, very simple business entity, and I think that's Part of where I started confusing people actually is because I'm just a basic sole proprietor, really just doing business under my own name. Mm-hmm. It's about the simplest possible form of a business entity that you <laughs> that you can create. So I just don't have a lot of requirements as far as um, documentation and licensing. It's really very simple, and that was actually I think one of the first places where I I sort of had a lot of people scratching their heads actually because everyone's like, "Well, you need." You know, these five different types of documentation, uh, if you can't fulfill all these requirements, we, you know, we can't even really talk with you further. So that was sort of the first thing that, that bubbled up. So the only thing I really needed to do was get a city of Chicago license, not even a Cook County license. So it's very, very basic. Um, all I really had to do was you know, I printed my business cards, I got my county license, or sorry, my city of Chicago license, and that's really it. And I had my opening deposit, so I actually had a deposit and a check in hand written out to Jennifer Law Consulting, and that's really all I had to do to start the business. So I did have those things. So those very first hurdles was most places had wanted me to have a number of other documentation um to fulfill their requirements for opening up an account, even though I didn't actually need them to start my business. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing was, I think just about everyone, if not everyone, 
I wanted me to come into a branch. And that ended up being a little, like, very restrictive for a lot of, a lot of credit unions. Um, my, I tried to go to my alma mater's credit union, and unfortunately, because I'm in Illinois and not doing business right now in Wisconsin or, like, established in Wisconsin, that ended up being a deal breaker. I was even willing to travel up to Wisconsin <laughs> to do it, but uh, that ended up being a problem. And then some of the other credit unions in this area, I either wasn't eligible for membership because of where I live, or I uh, was eligible for membership but would need to go into a branch. And then so many people don't offer mobile deposit for business accounts, even if they offer it for personal accounts. So knowing that I'm probably going to be getting a number of my payments in checks, that was also just too much of a deal breaker for me. Yeah, of course. And even I have to admit, my the account I ended up getting was with a bank. But even with their accounts, and it's a pretty major bank, um, I think one of the significantly less evil ones, but even with them, their limits on their mobile deposit is really low. It's like $1,500. Uh, so I'm lucky that they're in the neighborhood, but it's still not a perfect solution for me. I was really surprised by the mobile deposit uh, restrictions. Mm-hmm. And so how many credit unions did you try to get accounts open with before you went to the bank? Let's see. So... I tried uh, I tried the one that was from uh, where I went to school, and the the uh, state restriction was was too much there. And then I tried one that in my state that's a little far away. Uh, the documentation ended up being a problem for them. There is another credit union close to the city. Um, I didn't actually give them a call, but I did notice that they didn't have the mobile deposit and I would have had to go to a branch to open. Um, so those, I ended up just not, not calling them either. And then I did do a national search. I actually tried, you know, pulling up Google and seeing, you know, a national, national credit union, uh, business account. And just with the keywords that I was searching, nothing immediately popped up that made me think I was eligible and was going to be able to do it online or, you know, without coming to like going into a physical branch. Right. And what was the experience when you kind of gave up and, and decided to try for a bank? I was so sad. <laughs> I was really, really heartbroken. But I do have a bank in the neighborhood. So I walked over and it was no problem. I had the exact same stuff that I had when I was trying to open with a credit union. So I had my uh, EIN number. I had my, my check in hand, my corporate check. And I have my business cards, and that's all I needed to be able to open up my account and my ID. So oh. I walked in. About an hour later, I walked out. I had my checking account with my free checks. I had my uh, credit card all set up. And it was generally, it was, you know, a fine experience. It wasn't a knock-your-socks-off kind of thing. Um, I would have been personally happier going to a credit union, but mm. they were able to open up the account. Um, a couple of things that... I think would have been better. So like I said, that mobile deposit still, even on the product side, it's not perfect. It is a free account, which really made a big difference for me. Again, I'm trying to keep my, my costs down as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have to increase my rates for, for my small credit union clients. Uh, but like the mobile deposit's not perfect. It's in my neighborhood, so that's convenient, but I would be actually happier to do everything remotely. Mm-hmm. I even would have been happier opening the account remotely, to be honest. Uh, and then they, you know, they do have a couple of free services that they've tacked on. So, um, 
because the credit union I worked for didn't have business accounts. I'm not sure how this compares to what other offerings are like, but I, I did like that this bank has some free software that they sort of tack onto their online banking to help you do invoicing um, and set up your client database and that kind of thing. So I did actually enjoy those perks, but those are probably the the only things that I got out of that relationship where I was like, oh, yeah, this is really added value. Mm-hmm. So being somebody that worked at a credit union, what do you feel like the reason why the bank was able to handle it and the credit unions weren't? I Honestly, I think there's a couple things going on. One with my my initial thought when I was just even trying to understand the requirements for opening accounts was that some regulator or some compliance person got a little spooked and now it's just sort of this blanket, here you have to check all of these boxes without really understanding or without really taking the time to make sure, does this make sense for every entity that we're really trying to serve? Because even the credit unions who I talked to, one in particular said, you know, we're not really, um, we're not so focused on, on making business accounts a major priority for us. We want to be able to serve, you know, basic entities, smaller shops, but this isn't, you know, that's not like our, our primary audience. Like, well, that's perfect. That's exactly who I am. But even that credit union had kind of too many requirements for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of got the sense that maybe it was a regulatory sort of thing. Like these are the boxes we've been told we need to check without really verifying, is that honestly what we need? Mm-hmm. And then I think that kind of goes into maybe just a little bit of oversight. You know, when's the last time the credit unions that I looked at or who are really trying to offer more business accounts have really taken a good hard look at their their portfolio and what they're offering and really talked to a few of their members who are trying to do this. Because I think if you want to get into this space, you talk with your members or the potential members who, you know, really you're trying to serve in this area, if this is going to be a focus for you, I think you'll quickly discover a few things that really are of importance or what things are going to be those additional added value pieces that really will get someone in the door. Mm-hmm. And do you think that this is something that if you are in business for a couple of years and you want to switch your accounts at that point back to a credit union, do you think you'd be met with the same hurdles there? Or um, do you feel like it's primarily because it was a new business starting up that, that you met these roadblocks? I don't actually think it was because I was a brand new business. Because if my business got more complex, then I think it would be different because I would need to file for an LLC or have some of these additional, uh, you know, documentations or records established. And then I would meet these requirements. Um, so I think in a couple of years, if I came back, you know, and reevaluated things and tried with a couple of different credit unions, Unless I, unless my entity actually grows, I will probably run into the same hurdles that I did this time around. It actually was nice being someone who could come and say, I, I work with credit unions, I've worked in credit unions, and it almost seemed like, you know, like that did give me um, a leg up, actually, with whoever I was talking to in, in that business department. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I, I think I will probably run into the same, the same hurdles, even in a couple of years unless. Uh, things changed around a little bit. Mm-hmm. One of uh, one of the things that had come up at you know, the credit union I was working with earlier this year 
um, was looking into business accounts. And I really do think if you're getting into a new area like that and you want to do it correctly, you have to really talk to a few members. Um, so, you know, even though that, that credit union didn't offer business accounts, they have a number of members who are small business owners and have accounts elsewhere mm-hmm. and would probably be pretty happy to, you know, shift their accounts over. So getting a few of those people in the room, getting a diverse mix of people and understanding what their needs are. Uh, I know like one person I had talked to was a musician. So, you know, he had his own sort of unique set of needs. There's uh, a doctor who, you know, was on her own and, and just had a handful of clients. And then, you know, there's someone like me who's a consultant. We're all going to have our own different stories and really our own our own unique needs and how our cash flows work. You can have just even a handful of people like that sort of on a, a little committee even that can give you regular insight into their challenges and uh, what they're trying to accomplish and, and if their needs are getting better or not, there's so much valuable information that you can get from that kind of uh, little, you know, little insight group. Mm-hmm. So I think that is, is a phenomenal place to start. And then also making sure that you're regularly taking stock of uh, what you're offering and how it compares to, to the market. So, and not just, you know, what's acceptable in credit union land, but also how it compares to, to how banks are serving consumers as well. I think that this really is a space that credit unions could do a lot of good. Um, and, you know, lending as well as on that deposit side, I think there's so many credit unions who are still focused on their community relationships and um, being able to serve their community more effectively. I think this is really a perfect place that they can really make an impact. Mm-hmm. What would you advise credit unions to kind of wake them up, get them thinking about how serving both individuals and small businesses is good for their communities? Sure. So I think what you've mentioned right there is actually a big part of that is the operations that I have, you know, as a small business owner, as just a sole proprietor by myself, um, it really isn't drastically different from a consumer's account. And I think sometimes, uh, especially if you are getting into a new area, it can feel, you know, maybe not, not necessarily overwhelming, but um, it can feel like, oh, we have to make sure that we, you know, research the heck out of this and have all of our ducks in the row. And yes, of course, we need to do things that are compliant, and I would never suggest that we shouldn't. But... I would recommend not overthinking it where you don't need to overthink it. And if you can even just start helping people, um, go ahead and do it because it really does make a big impact. Um, you know, for me, as I was starting this business, there's so many different things that you're thinking about. Uh, there's a never ending list of to do's and it can be a pretty stressful thing. Uh, and you know, especially like for me, for instance, being kind of more of the creative marketing person, I don't love needing to think about, you know, getting my account set up and spending time um, worrying about the account side and dealing with all of that. I would so much rather be spending my time talking to clients and trying to do my creative stuff. And I think that's not very different from most small business owners. We want to be spending time doing the things that we're trying to really deliver to our, to our clients or, or, you know, to our consumers. Um, so if you can make things like managing our money even a little bit easier, that does have a huge impact on our day. You know, especially someone who's just in business by themselves or it's just a couple of people, we really, really have finite resources. Um, so I think credit unions can do a lot to make this easier. I think also credit unions are a phenomenal place for 
offering resources, offering information, if you can start getting pretty good at this or even help build up a network of resources, that also will, will really quickly help someone, as, especially as they're getting started or during specific times of the year, for instance, you know, trying to figure out taxes or, um, you know, there's some seasonal things that, that also uh, I think credit unions could really help offer resources and advice and even networking opportunities to make a pretty big impact for, for someone like me. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's definitely within the skill set or purview of a credit union to oh, yeah. help these small businesses definitely at this level. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably kind of similar to, you know, you think about, about being in the mortgage space, you know, it's, it's a new, especially for a new homeowner, it's a new venture. It's a lot of new things to learn. Um, some confusing paperwork at times and confusing mm-hmm. programs and, uh, anytime that you can help people sort of understand um, how to set things up and, and get it done correctly and understand that process, there's a really a lot of value there. Um, I don't see small business as being so drastically different. And again, yeah, like you mentioned, I think it really is within the skill set that credit unions have. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, it, and you would probably know this too, that it can be a huge business opportunity for a credit union. It's not just about kind of a charitable act, but that this could be something with yeah. a very strong ROI. Oh, yes, I definitely think so. And even if it really is, um, you know, if it's a credit union who wants, who's looking for deposit dollars, uh, you know, it can be a great place to try and have small business owners, even just putting some money there while, um, you know, to, to try and grow a little bit of interest so that they can pay their taxes throughout the year. I'm not going to put it into a CD because I do need to be able to withdraw from it, but I actually have some savings that I do need to park throughout the year. And then on that other side, even just to check, even just that credit card, um, I knew I was going to need to rely on something like a credit card. So there's plenty of interchange income to be made there too. So yes, it's not just a char- charitable thing. It makes me more loyal as a member, as I expect it would for other people too, to have a credit union that they can rely on to offer these services. But there's definitely more ROI there. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else that we didn't discuss that you wanted to mention about this experience or that you feel like would be valuable for people to know about your experience or anything at all? Yeah, I think I think we touched on everything. If I had to really boil it down, I think the the real areas to to consider and focus when looking at um, building or changing an existing you know business approach is you consider how what you're requiring people to uh, to provide to you when they're opening their accounts. So what is what's the documentation looking like that you're requiring them to fill out, and also how are you Getting that documentation, um, is it, you know, are you requiring people to actually physically come into a branch? Is there any room to be able to do things but all electronically, over the phone, through email? Um, because those, if you break down some of those barriers, it really does make a big difference. Uh, and then, you know, really making sure that the requirements fit the type of business entity that it is. And then looking at those products, um, you know, understanding the market that you're trying to work with. Uh, and, and what some of those businesses look like. So, you know, some things are really going to matter to certain people, whether it's free accounts, whether it's having accessibility to, you know, an online banking platform that, um, you know, will, will help you do things like doing your invoicing or managing your, your client list more. Um, those things, those little perks actually really do go a long way. And then also, 
do the restrictions on some of your other products like that mobile deposit capture and having such a small limit on checks, mm-hmm. does that really make sense for your business clients? Uh, you know, if you're just sort of copying and pasting over the um, the limits that you've put on your consumer accounts to your business account, it might be time to rethink those as well. Uh, and just make sure that you're getting the input from your actual members or potential members because there's almost certainly little insights that they'll give you that you maybe just didn't think about or didn't realize that, you know, they were maybe doing, using um, some band-aids or some, you know, kind of jerry-rigging to uh, make things work for their their company and their needs, and you actually could create a better solution for them. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. You know, that that's because I would say, and maybe it's a, it's a, a transitional period where, you know, the, the gig economy is just kind of coming into its own. It's been around for a while now, but I would say out of every 10 people I know, at least two of them have their own businesses. I mean, it's, it's kind Mm -hmm. of a very common thing now. And, and maybe people thought it wasn't 10 years ago, probably wasn't, but everyone's got a side business or they're starting to do what you've done and start their own consulting. And it's going to have to be addressed at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. The side thing, right. is so, so common now. I mean, it just seems like everyone has, Right, has either gone out to do some consulting on the side or, you know, I've um, played cello forever and I, I think I've always been in a quartet of some sort. And I'm like, even something like that, you, know, you usually have some kind of, you know, side business set up where you, know, you just need to be able to take payments sometimes. So, yeah, um, I, yeah I think you're right. It's, it's going to continue to be a very common thing. Um, and I think people are, you know, just becoming even more entrepreneurial right now. So it's, uh, it'll, people will have to look at it. I heard a great podcast recently from HBR IdeaCast on rehumanizing finance, that the practice of finance with increasing quantification has lost touch with its foundations, and that can cause those not in the finance industry to misunderstand it, which has all kinds of implications, including how we make decisions, such as using exploitative products like payday loans, because we can't tell good from bad. In Jen's case, her financial experience and know-how should help her and shouldn't be too big of a barrier um, that will impact her long-term success as a small business owner. But others aren't so fortunate. It seems that credit unions would have the best chance of any financial institution today to get back to the human fundamentals and foundations of finance. As a cooperative, credit unions exist to serve the needs of those who use it and those who need its services, and it shouldn't be beholden to anyone else like a for-profit financial institution might be with its shareholders. That's as foundational and connected to the community of users of a business as you can get. So in wrapping up, I want to ask again the questions that I asked at the beginning. If small businesses are such a vital part of our national economy and local communities, why do entrepreneurs have such a hard time gaining access to the credit they need to start, run, or expand their business? Maybe the bigger picture here is getting obstructed by the day-to-day, the small, and now. It's like the can't see the forest through the trees adage. 20 years in the future, a community could be financially stronger with every small business and entrepreneur, but we tend to be fixated on the value today, the ROI of now. But we know that way of looking is myopic at best and possibly destructive. A recent Gallup poll indicated for the first time in 35 years, American business deaths now outnumber business births. 
400,000 new small and medium-sized businesses are being born annually nationwide, while 470,000 are dying. The alarming consequence? Vulnerable communities have less and less money to grow, create jobs, and build a better economic situation for the people that live there. And we know there is return on the type of investment in people and small business that these two credit unions, and many others, are doing. A study by the American Independent Business Alliance determined that on average, 48% of each local independent purchase was recirculated locally, compared to 14% of purchases at chain stores. Filene's incubator programs and the credit unions that implement and test many of these financial empowerment programs across the U.S. and Canada are attempting to address these questions and more. Here's to more wins for consumers, small business owners, entrepreneurs, credit unions, and our communities in the future. It might not be profound, but it's still as true today as it ever was before. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, so let's invest in our small businesses today for a vibrant community long into the future. And that's it for the fill-in, folks. Thanks again for listening. A huge thank you to Susan, Rosa, and Jen for sharing their stories with us. If you like this episode, go out and rate us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. And make sure you're subscribed to the Filene Fill-In Podcast so you can keep up with what's going on at Filene. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch about today's show, feel free to email me at hollyf at filene.org or find us on Twitter at Filene Research. Until next time, thanks everyone. Thank you so much, Holly. I think um, this is a great opportunity also for keep reflecting and keep thinking about what we are doing. We are very, very thankful with, with Filene and Please let me know if there is anything I can do, can do to help or support the, the group.